Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, Truth Seekers. You're listening to A Measure of Truth on blogtalkradio.com, and I'm your host, Michael Fordham. If you just click the link on my webpage or you're listening on blogtalkradio.com or even the Blog Talk Radio player on my Facebook page and you want to call in live, look, we'd love to talk with you. So give us a call. The number is 347-326-9470. Oh, need a minute to get something to write with? But don't worry, I'll give the number again right after the commentary. Or if you like, you can Twitter me your questions and comments at twitter.com slash a measure of truth. Also, if you haven't yet, why don't you look me up on Facebook? I'm the Michael Fordham with a photo of me in studio, and you can always email me your questions and comments at a measure of truth at gmail.com. Look, we got a great show for you today. We'll be right back after this. Dr. Leslie Ann Petard is poised to transform education and is committed to addressing the widening achievement and digital divide seen across our nation and the world, most commonly in urban and rural classrooms and communities. She has growing interest in e-learning and workforce development and has most recently contributed to large-scale initiatives of the National Science Foundation and the U.S. Department of Labor. Dr. Petard is concerned with the sustainability of underrepresented and underserved groups in America as a 21st century career pathway requires specialized skills, training, and credentials. She is called to participate in our global society as a servant leader and partner in answering President Obama's charge to win the future. 
Dr. Petard is committed to promoting access and to participating in the areas of science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. For America to regain its footing and be innovative, it cannot continue to invest in prisons before schools. She wants to encourage our pipeline of scholars to leverage their education as the ultimate vehicle and tool for achieving, dreaming, and succeeding. She, like her late friend Kara Gordon, aspires to be the change we need in the world. Dr. Pertard wants to carry on the legacies of Dr. Dorothy Height and Marion Wright Elderman, serving and protecting our most vulnerable. Dr. Pertard, welcome to A Measure of Truth. Thank you for saying all those kind things and making those, um, those remarks. I first heard you speak at our church at Mount Zion Baptist, and um, you gave such a, um, a rousing um, speech about um, education and the importance of um, retraining and reaching out to all communities. And uh, you just made some, some very, very good points about people, young people especially, taking their education very seriously and then being focused on what that education will do for them. Tell us a little bit about um, some of what you talked about that day. Um, well, a little bit of background on me is I did my doctoral work in educational policy. And entering into my program at that time, I was around 2003, I was a doctoral student, and we were dealing, of course, with um, the divides that we're still currently seeing in science, technology, engineering, mathematics. And obviously those are reaching into other areas, but most significantly in the STEM field. So in 2003, we're talking about these issues, and here we are now in 2011 not only grappling with some of those same issues, but we're seeing how they're widening and increasing, as well as, you know, being faced with um, a, a tremendous economic downturn. So part of the zeal, part of the enthusiasm was very much around us, and I've learned after the fact, you know, reflection is such a gift as is feedback, that maybe the theme should have been, you know, we're doing okay, but we've got to do better. So really, for me, it's about imparting onto our youth that, Sure, it's important to get education, but what's really important is how you utilize it. Not necessarily just for yourself to obtain a career pathway for, you know, a sustainable life, but very much this notion of lifting and climbing. Um, you know, none of the efforts for which we have today um, are because others have afforded us opportunities. So we must continue to serve and uplift everyone um, and as the journey continues. But we are living in very complex and troubling times. So... The, the, just with all those in, increasing complexities very much further complicate and um, convolute sort of the paradigms and the shifts that we're seeing being faced by our youth especially. You know, getting started now, it's not enough to just say you need to go to school. There's so much more in that statement. And, so and tell us a little bit about what these challenges are that are facing uh, recent graduates today. Sure. Um, I think the most notable um, challenge facing anybody today is securing employment. Um, I think one of the points that her was, was most shocking, I'll say, that the, the most shock value that I shared was um, revealing my salary. You know, I think it's very taboo to talk about money. But I also feel, though, in being a little more transparent, we're also allowing people to really see the reality. Um, so I graduate. I was able to secure a post as a research fellow. And I wasn't even making $40,000. So to live in Northern Virginia, to be credentialed, to have these skills, and to still not be able to sustain my own life is really speaking to a lot of the challenges, just strictly economically speaking. Um, and I, I think that a lot of times, especially as you, you know, you're bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, but you need to know the numbers. 
And it's not to say that you can't do better than that and that you won't do better than that, but I would feel that it wouldn't be um, an honest contribution to not really share what's the present state of America. And as we know, based on what's happening on the Hill right now, we're in the middle of a significant battle about what are we going to do to increase jobs? What are we going to do to get more money into the economy? What are we going to do to um, help folks achieve and um, succeed in life? So it's not any more just by having an education, by having a credential. Yes, those are important, but there's so many other factors now that we're, we're, we're seeing that are facing all of us. Now, tell us a little bit about, too, um, you've um, moved on and you've got some your own personal agenda and you've got your own initiatives initiatives that you're focused on outside of um, your your current career path that are sort of like um, a pledge, as you would say. And you actually gave us a very good pledge to go by for graduates as well. But tell us a little bit about your personal journey first before we get into that. Sure. I am very privileged and something that I didn't get a chance to get into, which really does speak to passion. I think that the beauty of, of life in America is we very much, um, you know, try to achieve our, our wildest dreams. So I'm very humbled to know just sort of that even from the beginning that my steps, you know, going back to the church conversation, are very much ordered by a higher power. Um, I was actually adopted, and I was born in 1980, and my birth mother, I believe, was about 13 or 14, and my birth father was about 17, right in D.C. So mm-hmm. right across the bridge, I grew up and was born to, um, you know, a younger family. They were unable to um, support me, so into the system I go, and I was adopted within a day. So right there, you know, I have a privileged story. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot about my responsibility in that, you know, being afforded the best education, having the opportunity to study um, music, you know, playing the piano, playing the flute, studying art, um, growing up and being mentored by um, dynamic women who own their businesses um, long before I even knew what owning a business really meant. So I very much grew up knowing that I, too, am America. That was never a question. I graduated from Bishop Ireton High School in 1998, which is a collegial you know, collegial prep high school. All of us went to top-notch colleges. And I'll never forget when my college flag went up and it announced Hampton University. And to the dismay, actually, some of my friends and colleagues who were like, why are you going there? You're not going to get the same kind of job that I'm going to get going to Dartmouth or going to Yale or going to Princeton. So I go to Hampton, matriculated after four years and graduated with a degree in English, and I didn't exactly know what I wanted to do. And in that kind introduction, you mentioned a girlfriend of mine, Cara Gordon, who passed away, Mm -hmm. and she and I were both these freedom fighters. She was going to pursue a life in the law career, in the law field, and I was going to go on in education in some capacity. And when when, when she left this earth, that really was a pivotal point, and we really doing a lot of critical thinking at an early age, you know, what am I going to do with my life and trying to see how these circles were connecting and what direction I was going in. But the point is, when I graduated, I had this significant interest in Teach for America. And that's really where I began to learn about these divides and these troubled issues facing America's schools. And I thought TFA was just the, the best thing ever. And it is. It's an awesome opportunity, but, it, but what it is not is a sustainable um, end result. So it really piqued an interest of mine in educational equity. So to come full circle and why I had um, our students take a pledge or take an oath, is it's really about commitment on so many levels, you know, um, and, and that's, I, I think, really what fueled my um, my energy. Wow. And um, this close friend of yours, and at the time of her 
Steph, was she actually in school? Yes, we were at Hampton University. We were preparing to graduate. You know, we had wow. already ordered men, so we were getting ready to um to to leave and move on with our lives. And mm-hmm. and I say that because um she at such a young age, you know, you think about when you'll be eulogized or when people will remember and reflect on your life. Mm-hmm. It really becomes a question of well, what will they be thinking and remembering you for? You know, one of my favorite Erica Badu songs is Don't Name a Building After Me. It's not about a structure. It's really about an impact. So I, I, I do feel that even though sometimes some of our older generation might say that we don't have the same zest, we don't have the same zeal, I would argue we very much do. It's just the game has significantly changed. And kind of back to our first point, so have the rules, going back to it being a more high-skilled, more credentialed workforce. So even now, the parameters have changed in such a way that people are are, are and are not able to access, um, co- you know, just a simple job based on basic things like credentials, which are now, yeah. I think, probably what really drives the divide. Yes. And, and currently in our economic crisis as well, one of the things that has happened is the middle class is disappearing, and it's because of all the wealth that we had attained and losing in the the home market. I mean, African Americans were, you know, very well represented before all of this crashed, and then all of that wealth just disappeared. So along with that, so did a lot of um, funds for college education as well as people having to change their lifestyles. Absolutely. And just to add there, that was another point that we talked about um, on the 26th at Mount Zion is this notion of, wealth and this notion of money Um, and, you know, even speaking to generational wealth, African-Americans as a community have never had a significant or tangible stake in that conversation. But to your point, exactly with the collapse of the economy, it's very much bolstered those widening gaps and those disparities. And what concerns all of us is where are those families now? You know, when you think about these beautiful, huge homes where people have been foreclosed on, where are their kids? How are their kids matriculating through school? You know, to even back to Katrina, that was the first time my eyes really opened to being displaced in the midst of a storm. How that impacts the rest of your life. So, those types of issues, I think that we can't afford to not pay attention to and to continue to talk about. Now, tell us about some of the things that you think are so important, especially in today's economy, as as for youth to be focused on and trying to do the best that they can to achieve and also to educate themselves in whatever capacity they can possibly find, whether it be in a vocational standpoint or whether or not it's actually attending a college? Sure. Um, That's a great question. And I think the beauty of being in our American society is we have to give the choice. And what we have to recognize very early on as people are what we're good at. What do you like to do? What are your skills? What are your preferences? You know, I love the Myers-Briggs typology, because it answers so many questions, not not always just about kind of why somebody made a decision, but in understanding who they are. You know, we have sometimes a preference for being introverted and sometimes for being extroverted. That might speak volumes to the kind of career path that best suits your skills, talents, and abilities. Um, there's, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to say that this is a specific way in life that you should go, but my suggestion is very much after understanding maybe who you are, especially in graduating out of high school, you kind of have an idea of what turns you on. 
And my suggestion is very much to follow that um, and to, to make the most of that. You know, I, I think those those are very valuable years in our lives. You know, the 18, 19, 20, 21s, you never get those back. Um, yes, have fun, enjoy your life, but also think really critically about what this life is going to be about for you. And in that same vein, how this life is going to impact other people. Because I know for me, I would have never gotten to this point had I not been mentored. Um, in the same vein, who, you know, can I then mentee? So it's this constant um, cycle of reciprocity that I think sometimes we don't talk enough about. But really, it, 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 even in some of the best schools, you know, if you don't have the, the, the right support structure, if you're not in the correct environment for you and your needs, that might impact the way in which you can succeed and achieve. So those types of factors are very important. I know we live in a name-brand society. You know, so we hear, I went to, you know, this top ten school with this significant, um, you know, football team, but at the same time, um, that might not be the environment for you. That environment might, might not train you or prepare you for the career path that you're on. So I think it's very important to be in tune with your own dreams, with your own passions, with your own aspirations. Um, but it's also very important to have the self-esteem and the confidence to follow through. So have those ideas, have those visions. You know, you have to have a dream. If there is no dream, there is probably no line of success. So sometimes it's, I, I love the motto, you know, shoot for the moon. If you don't hit the moon, at least you land among the stars. So and that being said, I think what, I, what pains me sometimes are how our young kids aren't dreaming anymore. Mm-hmm. So what do you with your life? Where do you want to go? Where do you see yourself? So it really, it, it could be kind of um, bittersweet when you see all the shoulder shrugs. Like, I don't know. Right. What do you need as adults to continue to cultivate those kind of conversations? We need to expose them to our careers. We need to take them to our jobs. I remember my parents who are um, retired federal government employees, they had, you know, bring your daughter to work day or bring your son mm-hmm. to work day to keep doing that. They need to sort of see what we're doing to understand what this life is about. You know, we spend the majority of our lives at a job. And sometimes when people are exposed to that early, it might plant the entrepreneurial seed. Entrepreneurial seed. You might be our next big innovator. But if we don't unleash that potential, that might go unforeseen. So that's the winning future. We have to really be um, very cognizant of all those dynamics. So back to the whole village concept. You know, it's not going to be just one person that does that for one individual. We're going to do that for each other. I think another thing parents need to do as well is to really focus their attention on reconnecting with their kids and staying connected with them. Um, Absolutely. And, you know, find out exactly what they're interested in and not criticize, but, you know, hear them out and understand based on their interests or maybe it's just that they have, a you know, a misconception about, um, how a certain career might actually be because, you know, kids have that dream in them. But a lot of times people will even will find that they'll get a degree in a, a particular field and feel that they just don't fit into it and end up doing right. something that's parallel to it. So I think it's important, Absolutely. you know. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm sorry, Michael. You have me because my mind is spinning right now. Um, one thing that I would like to <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to share, too, about um, as adults and as parents is we have to pay attention to pop culture. I'm not mm-hmm. in any way um, highlighting or condoning a certain show or certain songs or certain stations, but we have to be in tune to what is impacting them. You know, yeah. who are you seeing that you think you want to be? Because that has a lot to do with how they're dreaming 
and what their measures are of success. You know, back to this notion of truth, the, the media um, plants different kinds of images. Mm-hmm. And we have very much early on the responsibility to be having real conversations with our youth. And if right. we're not doing it, we've missed a significant point in their lifespan. Mm-hmm. And I just want to, just to piggyback on that, I want parents to understand and pay attention what is in the media and, and realize they don't call it programming just because. This is right. a learning process, whether or not it's something educational or not. It's implanted in our young people's minds. And, you know, some parents are, are totally against technology and the social media and all of that. But here's something. Um, social media is tomorrow's marketplace. So if, um, if you don't understand it, there could become a divide somewhere down the road if if you don't expose your children to the things that they need. But you do have to monitor. And to monitor, you have to understand it yourself. So, um, yeah, they really have to take a vested interest in these things that are changing in the world around us. Absolutely. You know, I had a conversation with a girlfriend of mine about um, she's a younger parent, but it's it's, it's interesting to um you know how sometimes parents don't want to watch certain shows or certain movies or listen to certain songs with their kids, but we have to ask ourselves the question: Well, why is that? You know, what? Um, why aren't we able to do that? We let them listen to these with their friends, and they go off and go to parties and, you know, sort of emulate what they're seeing. But we need to talk about that. You know, what does that mean for you? Why? Why do you feel that that's sort of who you have to become? Because that that really, in speaking with um, a lot of young women and men. They have a lot of social pressure right now facing them. And coming out of academia and working with a traditional age college students um, at the University of Virginia, it's heart-wrenching to know what a lot of them are going through. You know, we, we talked before about our kids are under tremendous stress. You know, our economy has collapsed, and so has theirs. They're mm-hmm. very aware of what's going on. They know how we're feeling. They know what we're grappling with, but we're not communicating about or around it. So we're seeing higher instances of substance abuse, of suicide, just, mm. you know, other ways in which folks are struggling with and, and, and coping with reality. So, yes, at the adult level we're dealing with it, but we can't ever forget that our kids soak up everything like sponges, and they're dealing with some of the same issues too. Wow. And, you know, there's a problem in... Um, their attitude and their perception, too, of what their parents are going through. And I'll go back to the housing crisis again. You will find that some young people feel that they never want to own a home because they don't ever want to go through what their parents went through, which was something that is not the rule, it's not the norm, it's, it's based on choices. There was a lesson there somewhere, and parents have to go ahead and share that with their children because they will never achieve wealth until they own their own home and begin to build that way. Absolutely not. And the statistics that I shared um, on sort of the economic capacity of African Americans from the U.S. Census Bureau in 2008 was that level of quote-unquote wealth was at 36.8, if I remember the number correctly. But that's nowhere close to being able to buy a home. And exactly to your point, you know, if we're not having these real conversations with our kids, they don't understand the value of money. They don't understand about saving and investing. Um, so how can we ever expect them to have robust 401Ks when they don't even know that we have them ourselves? So especially mm-hmm. with the economy shifting, kind of going back to that rich dad, poor dad mentality, what kind of conversations do we need to be facilitating to ensure 
that our kids have a sustainable future. Um, we've all been impacted by this economy. But I think, you know, of course, within struggle, there's opportunity. So what we're seeing was we were living outside of our means, both at the individual level, at the communal level, and at the federal level. So that speaks back to, as well, sort of this larger capitalist structure and those ideologies interconnected into that. So even though um, money is a significant part of who we are, it also has a significant impact on what we do. So when resources are limited, sometimes that impacts behavior. And, you know, as you said, you know, if we're not talking about sort of the dynamics of how we spend money, we're not talking about the dynamics of how money makes us feel. Just because we might not have a lot of money doesn't mean you're less than. And I think what's interesting, too, is how it has very much become a part of how we perceive ourselves. Going back to our, um, just the expenditures within our communities, we don't have hardly any money, but we spend a tremendous amount on stuff, whether it's on, you know, getting your hair done on a weekly basis, on your nails, on your clothes, on your car, not judging that. But I do have to pose the question, why do we do that? And that all goes back to how we perceive ourselves, how money has influenced the way that our self-esteem um, is either high or low. And hmm. that should be in that capacity, but it is. And, hmm. you know, and I jumped around from subject to subject, but I think what we're touching on is all these concentric circles. So speaking back to your initial question, you know, what are some of those challenges? There are so many. That's not to say that we should feel defeated and overwhelmed, but we need to just be aware. And we need to cultivate dialogue. We need to have conversation. You know, there's something so comforting about being able to tell your neighbor, like, I had a hard day. And even if your neighbor says, I did too, right there, there's a sense of relief. But oftentimes what we do, we plug into our iPods, we, you know, um, back on our cell phones, we get back into our insular lifestyles, and then we feel alone. Then we feel depressed. And then we feel down and out. And sometimes when we feel that way, what do we do? We spin. Mm-hmm. So it's these cycles that we're constantly trapped in that we need to learn how to control. Of course, you have to spend. You have to spend money to make money, but at the same time, there is a, we can have healthy relationships with our wallets. We just haven't always mastered that in every community, especially in the more underrepresented and underserved pockets. Now, there's a large segment of our population who's unemployed. Um, they refuse to be underemployed. Uh, they've been on the job hunt for some of them for two years or more and um, are just trying to hold it right where they are and um, have not looked at the option of maybe trying something new or different or uh, developing a new skill set. Tell us what you would like to say to some these folks out there that may need to broaden their horizons in order to be able to move forward. Sure. I, I think the beauty about life as a human being, as one of the most sophisticated creatures on this earth, is our capacity to be lifelong learners. We're constantly picking up new skills. We're constantly um, getting new ideas. That's why a lot of people um, are, are stuck in what we call the ideation phase. You know, we're constantly thinking. We're constantly fine-tuning and crafting and ideating over and over and over and over again. We can't quite ever stake a claim because there's so much going on in our minds. Um, so that goes back to one of the other comments that we made previously is it is so critical. Fine. You know, I recognize at different points in your life, mentorship means different things. You know, we have to look to different people to get different types of information. So back to how we invest our money. It is a very significant investment to get a career coach. I just had a conversation with a gentleman the other day who was interested in obtaining a certification. 
and has the experience, has um, been in this line of work for 20-plus years. So back to your point, doesn't know what to do. Knows that they need a credential, but doesn't know what the credential will do for them. Back mm. to committing to being a lifelong learner. Back to it's worth investing in um, a career coach. You know, have someone who can really coach you on bringing out those ideas. You know, just even being able to articulate sometimes just your thought process, what your dreams are, even at different points in your life. It's so valuable to put them out there because what that does is it makes us accountable, either to each other or in that relationship. Um, you and I have built before. I have a tape recorder that I have in my car because there's so many ideas going on, I need to get them out. Um, and you can't always write it down, but it's an, it's an exciting way that I consider, uh, I guess it would be an audio journal. But right. it really helps. It, it, it affords me a certain level of sanity to transfer all those thoughts out of my mind and somewhere else. So I can kind of put it on the... Um, I guess, I, I, you know, in trainings we have those um, those big sticky pads where you put those ideas on on the on the whiteboard and you come back to that later in the parking lot. Exactly, in the parking lot. So that's what I look at as my audio recorder is I just need a parking lot sometimes. But back to what you're saying about this, the um, folks might needing to shift careers and um, obtain new educational sets and skills, that I think also speaks back to the fear of change and the mm -hmm. reality of when we talk about adult sciences, that's a natural part of the human existence. We are creatures of habit. We like point A, point B, point C. But what changes and it goes from point D to R to Q, that doesn't feel right. So oftentimes what happens is we haven't reconciled what that change means, so we continue to remain in the same space. Even though that same space probably is eating you up inside, causing ulcers, stressing us out. We have a fear sometimes of stepping out, especially when stepping out is unknown. Our neighbors, our friends, our partners, they're not doing that kind of behavior, so that makes us question those ideas. So back to investing, you know, maybe we need to rethink the way that we're investing our money. Invest in ourselves in different ways. There is something very significant about having a conversation with someone who can really not only hold you accountable, but put you in the right direction. Put some of those thoughts at ease. Answer some of those thoughts. If they can't answer those, they can point you in the right direction. So we have to constantly, not necessarily just seek information, but seek good information. And sometimes that information isn't free. So I say all that to say there's nothing wrong with this. Is I, I, I am a high supporter of you know, folks seeking um, mental health coaches and um, counseling opportunities. The same thing with careers. We have unhealthy relationships with our jobs, our employers, our employees our morning commute, <laughs> all those things. <laughs> so we get unhealthy cycle. So I think sometimes we have to pay better attention to self and sometimes do something outside the box. Um, and not necessarily outside the box because it's never been done, but because you've never done it. But mm -hmm. the beauty, too, is if we do something different, somebody else is going to notice that behavior as well. So if you free yourself, you might free someone else. Yeah, and, and the first part of it is is to do something different, to get out of the old habits and stop doing the same thing that you have been doing that was unsuccessful and open yourself up to something new, whatever it might be. The first thing you try may not be the thing for you, but right. the point is is you broke the cycle, and now you're exactly. free to be able to continue to look and explore with an open mind. Can I suggest one more thing, too, on that point? Sure. Um, I think we're also seeing that, 
persist in our own personal relationships. You know, we talk about the divorce rate being at a super high, um, looking at the way that even on college campuses um, are used, they don't talk about being in relationships, the hookup culture. You know, mm. it's all a reflection to of these cycles, you know, these inabilities to commit or re- re- remove ourselves from unhealthy behaviors or lifestyles or relationships. But that goes back to our initial conversation about education. I would say for me as an individual, of course I'm fearful of certain decisions and scared of the outcome, but I think, you know, outside of having my own spiritual relationship, what makes me confident is knowing that, fine, if that's not the right way, I'll do something else. Everybody doesn't have that comfort level, um, that self-esteem to, you know, if you fall down, you dust yourself off and you get back up again. But the thing about um, that happening to you is that makes you that much more hungry and that much more prepared for what's coming to you. You have to go through these cycles to accept what you're going to be given. That door is going to open. And what you're really saying is a a fear of failure. And, you know, even in failure, there's a lesson. And you got to be willing to just take that lesson with the pain and learn and do better, you know? I'm wondering. I have no fear of failure. (laughs) My record will show it. Yeah, I, I, you know, I will fail and fail at whatever until I get it right, and um, that's fine with me. And I will learn quite a bit. And if someone wants to ask me about how to do it, and I'm an expert at that point. Yeah. And you know, I have to say too. I wonder if that's also the privilege of your gender, because what the research also suggests is men have a higher propensity to do that. Just like you all go into the job and they'll say, how much do you want for this job? And you all will negotiate at the higher bracket level. We don't see that all the time with women. So I think, too, as part of the conversation evolved, kind of back to mentoring, mentoring within gender and across gender. Mm. Because for me personally, I will say that I have a blend of both. Because men have um, coached me very differently than how women have coached me. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, you know, there are also lessons learned across the, you know, the table in that capacity. But back to your notion, I had to learn to be okay with failure. Um, that's a hard lesson, you know, and I think especially kind of back to our whole conversation around some of the challenges, it's really hard, too, to redirect yourself when you just knew that was going to be your avenue in life. You just knew this was going to be the way that, you know, your future was going to unfold. And it did a 180 or a 360, you know, when it totally turns around and, you know, it turns you on your head, for some people that's too much. And we haven't, you know, and, and I... I go back to how we're prepared in school. We don't always teach our teach our kids not only how to be critical thinkers, but how to be perseverers, how to be okay with failure, how to be okay with not getting selected for the team or the sorority or the fraternity, or what do you do if you get kicked out of school? You know, so all these, we, we always talk about, like, the sometimes the most glossy options, but I think we have to also be real about what else can happen. And it's in those situations what you can do to continue to persevere and continue to climb. Wow. You know, um, that's some really, really good advice. And um, we we just are going to check in now with Destiny Mathis. Um, We spoke with her um, just recently, and um, she was actually in the process of selling an autographed note that she received from President Barack Obama, in order to be able to help her financial situation. Destiny, are you there? Yes, I am. How are you? How are things turning out with um, selling that um, 
note that you received? Well, I haven't had any takers or anything. I've had people who have asked, but um, the price that, you know, the offers have been really low, um, so I haven't been uh, successful in selling anything yet. Oh. Uh, have, you, have you thought about other methods to be able to sell it as well? Um, I pretty much uh, have just gone with, like, the mainstream. Um, I have emailed some people who I know sell um, presidential memorabilia, but I haven't been able to come across anything um, that's been uh, definitive yet, so no luck. Oh, okay. So how's the job search going? Um, I've been putting in applications day and night, um, and I really haven't heard anything as far as something um, like I've applied in the medical field and things like that, and I haven't heard anything back yet. So nothing from anywhere. I'm, I'm really kind of shocked because I'm, I'm ready to work, willing to work. I have you know, someone to watch my children while I go back to work, but it's just it's it's, it's really a slump in the area. So. Right, right, and and tell everyone again um, what your field is in. Uh, my field is in uh, surgical technology. Right, and you, just to recap on your story, you had a position while you were pregnant, and because of complications in your pregnancy, you had to take more time off than you had attended. Correct. Right. Right. Correct. Correct. And I you was, were. Um, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No. Go right ahead. Explain the story. Um. No. I was. Um. I had got hired. Um. At a job. I didn't know I was pregnant when I got hired. I found out later. Um. And my pregnancies have always been complicated. Bed rest. Um. Preterm labor. Things like that. So and C sections with all of my previous children. So. Um, I was just having a hard time, you know, doing my job. I tried to as much as I could, but then, you know, I was having contractions, which, you know, at five months pregnant is not a good thing, so I was immediately put on bed rest. And um, where I work at, you have to be there a year for them to hold your position, and I was only there six months, so I would have to, you know, resign anywhere I would, you know, lose my job. So I did, you know, according to what their rules are as far as holding a position for maternity leave, and I didn't have that time there. Now, tell us, um, are, do you still have your apartment now? Yes, I did have someone that helped me with the rent for this month. So I am in the clear for this month. So um, the mm. following months are, you know, still up in the air. Wow. Well, uh, I'm glad to hear that. And um, so... so you're just going to continue to try to um, find work in your field. Have you thought about other fields as opposed to just trying to get a job as a surgical technician again? Yes, I've tried to find um, other jobs. Um, my thing is, I, I need the where I'm living at is far too expensive for one person, so I would need to find something that would be feasible to pay rent and utilities and care for my children on my own. So um, everyone says we'll go to McDonald's, but when you think a seven dollar hour job, even at full time with overtime, wouldn't you know suffice for children? But I mean, I can't really be picky, but I need to do something that that won't have me away from my kids a lot because I'm working full-time plus a lot of overtime. Mm, okay. And, Dr. Pitar, do you want to chime in? Wow, Dusty, you have such a um, significant story. I really appreciate you sharing that with us. Um, I know that we are definitely in your thoughts, you know, we have you in our thoughts and prayers. Um, and mm-hmm. what I think about immediately is I currently work with the National Education Foundation, and I know that you're in a, um, a technical field, so I would like to offer you a scholarship if you go to our website, um, fiberlearning.org, 
you'll notice on the, under the second banner there's a link for workforce. So if you click on workforce, you'll see some different types of certifications. Take a look at it. Um, I'll, we'll definitely exchange, you know, contact information and let me know if that will in any way help your situation. But I would like to just you know, remind you to be encouraged and to know that this is like the time to be creative and outside the box. And I know you've heard that before. But um, we're relying on non-traditional avenues, you know, reaching out to non-traditional sources. But it is a hard market and it is very challenging. And I, I just really admire and respect, you know, how you're going about your craft and being a mom and looking for, you know, looking for your next um, sort of, I guess, professional step. But we'll definitely talk more about ways in which we could potentially partner or collaborate. Um, where are you located exactly? I'm in uh, Holbrook, Indiana. In Indiana. Okay, yes. Well, the nice thing about the um, certifications for, um, from cyberlearning.org is you, it's an e-learning platform. So it's on your schedule. You have 12 months to access it, um, you know, and it would cater to your availability. But I hope that that might help you and provide another opportunity for you. And tell her a little bit about what's offered, because um, Destiny, you mentioned that you're really, really savvy with computers. Yes, very much. So. <laughs> well, oh, great. Well, this is this is this is a good um, connection, and maybe what we could also do is leverage maybe an internship with you. Um, so essentially, what we do at the National Education Foundation is we're addressing the digital divide at the K through 12 level. So we're looking at students who are falling behind in science, technology, engineering, mathematics. Um, and using a remediation tool to help them get um, back up, you know, to grade level. And we're also looking at the digital divide facing our workforce. So as we've been talking about before, you know, we know that today's economy, as terse as it is, still requires high skills, high credentials, et cetera. So we're able to, with our partnerships through a lot of our um, corporate sponsors, offer um, certifications with Cisco, um, Microsoft, et cetera, in these various um, fields and spaces to help folks um, leverage their talents and, and obtain the credentials needed at an affordable rate. So as I aforementioned, you know, we're offering you a scholarship, so we hope that this, you know, is something that you would like to look into and hopefully accept, um, but that is useful to you and can be utilized, you know, as, as a vehicle to get you to where you're trying to go. Oh, that's amazing! And what what what's the website again? Um, I I can't. Uh, my phone is cutting in and out. What what did you say the website was again? Sure, it's cyberlearning.org. C-Y-B-E-R-L-E-A-R-N-I-N-G.org. Cyberlearning.org. And we'll definitely exchange information um, to, to stay in touch. You know, we want you're going to be okay, Destiny. You and your family are work. We as a village are going to see each other through. So at this moment, that's you know an immediate resource I could love you know leverage, which is like, you know my pleasure, of course. But I also look to you and see if there are other networks or people or resources that we might be able to um, partner with to provide you with an opportunity. So, that's awesome. That's great. And, you know, and, and, you know, Destiny, I knew that you didn't hear her the first time she said that, so I'm glad she said it again. And uh, you were able to understand exactly what she was offering you because it, you had mentioned again that you're good with computers. And this is a whole, uh, well, it's a, quite a selection of different things that you can choose from. So, um, you know, I'm sure that this is going to make uh, a big difference. And the great thing about this, too, 
is in the field of IT, um, once you, depending on what you choose, some of these can be um, done remotely as well. So it just all right. depends, you know, on the type of um, career path you choose and the, the specific skill set that you find that you're best at. That is amazing. Do you have access, amazing. Stephanie? You have access yes. to a computer? Yes, I do. Okay, okay, great. Yes, and it's it's totally, um, you know, on your watch, which is, I think, what's so exciting about using cyber learning and e-learning as a tool to bridge these divides is, you know, one thing that we struggle with is the hours of the day, as you mentioned. You know, nine to five is one thing, but when you have a life and you need more than that, those hours don't always the end. So we hope that, you know, this will work for you and sort of be a little bit more of a flexible mechanism to help you achieve your, your, your next step. I hope so, too, because I'm dying to get back into school and, you know, do something, you know, because it's, it's hard sitting at home looking at your kids. Well, why am I, they're looking at me like, well, why are you looking at me? And I'm like, well, I'm looking at you because I don't have anything to do, but school would be awesome. Yeah, and, and you did very well in school as well, didn't you, Destiny? Mm, I graduated top of my class in surgical technology. Top, I was one of the top five students in my class. Awesome. We're going to work together. We're going to work together. Something that Michael and I have talked a lot about, too, is, you know, just casting that net. And I think, you know, and as you know, I mean, I applied for jobs for two years before anything came in the pipeline. And when it finally did come in the pipeline, it wasn't, what you know, initially what I thought it was going to be, but a door is still open. Just keep encouraged. We're all out here struggling and trying, you know, but at the same time, don't lose faith, don't lose hope. You know, stay on top of your game, stay positive, stay blessed. It's coming. Be encouraged. I will. Thank you so very much. I appreciate it. I can't wait to get home to get on the computer and look and see. I'm excited. Yeah, and we'll make sure that um, everyone has each other's contact information, and all you guys will have to do is contact Donna, and she'll make sure that you guys have the emails and the phone numbers and everything that you need to stay in contact. Perfect. Okay, that's great. Perfect. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> well, we might My daughter is being mean. Oh, I think maybe she's just excited as well. <laughs> that's what I thought. <laughs> oh, boy. That's what All I thought. Right. I'm sorry. Can I say one last thing really quickly? Sure. Um, when we exchange contact information, we're also looking for interns. So what I'd like you to do as well is send me your resume. Oh, okay, great. Yes, I, I did. As a matter of fact, I just updated it. So that's, I have that already ready um, as an attachment to send to whoever I can, I, can, I can reach out to. Excellent, yes. And you're doing the right thing. Keep that updated. You know, every little thing that you do, even now, you know, you're navigating ambiguity. You're navigating challenge. So these are some new skills that you also are bringing forward. So don't underestimate, too, even though it might not seem like a quote-unquote traditional career path, you're being prepared with with other um, tools. So just be aware of what they are and how you've been able to sort of be more resource savvy. Those are the types of languages I would argue that employers are looking for as well. That's amazing. I'm, 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 I'm so excited. I, I'm, I'm speechless. Thank you so very much. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Hope you Man, do it. I'm excited too. I didn't know that was going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, that's awesome! That's what we do. But thank you, Michael, for um, allowing us to meet and connect. You know, and, and share resources. So, oh, Stephanie, yeah. all I'm going to charge you with is, you know, when, when things begin to shift for you, that you pay it forward to someone else in need. 
Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. I have friends who are in a situation that are single parents that need something to do, not necessarily in such a, a dire situation, but oh, I have friends that need to get back in school. We talk about it all the time. We always say we're going to enroll this, this semester, and we never do. But since I have that, I'm, I'm, I'm going to start being proactive with my friends. I mean, we have no choice. We have children that look up to us, and if they see us not doing anything, they're not going to do anything either. Well, share with your friends these certifications are typically four or $500 courses that we're able to leverage for $70. Oh, wow. Mm. Yes. Mm. Because the corporations realize it is their responsibility to develop the workforce. It's a sustainable mechanism. So put the word out there. And that's what I'm saying about the internship. Let's talk offline about that because this is a national and international effort. So it's all about paying it forward, being connected, sharing information, sharing resources. Amazing. Yeah, and an opportunity. It's just an awesome opportunity. And and Dr. Pittard, really, (laughs) I had to get myself together here for a minute because I I was just just really, really happy. I'm bouncing up and down in my seat because I I didn't know what I was going to tell her. I didn't know, you know, I, I just wanted to stay connected with her to make sure that we always knew what was going on with her and to get the word out so that people wouldn't forget. But um, that that is a bonus. I'm just really, really happy that you were able to extend that opportunity to her. And Absolutely. thank you so much. Of course. Don't thank me. Um, I think that the best way to do it will be we all pay it forward. Um, Destiny, how can we follow you? Are you on Twitter? Are you on Facebook? What's your social media status? Um, I am on Twitter. I don't update a lot on Twitter, but I am on Facebook um, a lot. Too much, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Too much. I'm pretty sure Mike sees a couple of my statuses like, woo, this lady here, but I am on Facebook. Well, my last suggestion to you, though, too, is stay on both of those tools because that's how I found my other job. I posted a status um, a few years ago that I was looking for a job. Here are my skills. So use some of those social media avenues to promote you. Those are also your, you know, free um, public relations devices. Mm-hmm. So and I'm glad you put it that way, Dr. Petard. And, and that's the best way for people to look at this. This is your own public relations, you know? Yeah. And when it you is. look at it that way, you would never pay anybody to say, anything that makes you look bad. So people have to be cognizant that they don't do that themselves as well when they're using social media. Because, you know, nowadays when you go to get a job, they don't need your references anymore. They can check your Facebook and figure out who you are, who your friends are, your activities, Mm -hmm. you know. And and, and that's important because it is public. But people think it's just amongst their friends. But, yeah, it's out there. Yeah. Well, we're about five minutes into the show. Dr. Patart, was there anything that um, you wanted to put out there, maybe um, a website information or anything like that that you'd like to add? Well, my website is coming soon. Thank you for asking, com. We should be going live within the next month. I'm very excited about that. But, Michael, I just want to thank you and Destiny, you as well. I This is what my passion is, is you know, being in touch with people and really having a sense of the pulse. So I just want to thank you, Michael, for having this venue and sharing it with us and letting us put our stories out there um, in such a way that can be encouraging and helpful to others. So you you and your team are to be commended. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. And we look forward to doing a lot more with you as well. And um, I'm sure we'll be hearing from you 
very soon. So if anything changes, or maybe we can just bring you in whenever the need arises, whenever there's education out there. Well, it's going to be in the news always, but I would love to be able to revisit this topic of what we should be doing, especially as it relates to our youth, um, at least once a month or so. But we'll see how that all pans out. It would absolutely be my pleasure. Fantastic. Likewise. Okay, very good. Well, um, <laughs> I, I, I'm just really happy. Things turned out a lot better than I thought they would, but I want to thank you. And, Destiny, it was good hearing from you again, and now I know that things are going better for you. I feel a lot better. I'll sleep much better tonight. <laughs> well, that's, that's great. Thank you so much for having me, and we will be in contact on Facebook and things like that. And I will most definitely give Donna a call for your information, Dr. Patel. I will do it as soon as I get home. Yes, right. wonderful. Yes. Awesome, and 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 hug your kids for me. <laughs> oh, I will. They're, they're 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 screaming dinner, so that's why I'm trying to get home and get them some dinner and stuff. But I really okay. appreciate it, Mr. All Mike. Right. I call you I call you Mr. Mike. I don't know why, but thank you. That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, we will talk with you soon, and um, thanks again for calling in. Okay, great. Thank you. Okay. Bye bye. And and Dr. Petard, uh, I just want to thank you again and um for everything that you do and um for keeping your vision alive and um you know, are there any closing thoughts you just want to say before we um we got about 3 minutes left in the show? Um well, what I will say is, you know, even though there we are all facing significant hardships and challenges, um I think that we all need to just be encouraged that there are people on the ground who are doing such positive things and who are really, you know, um, building bridges. I think that this is a unique opportunity for us to live outside of the box. You know, I think right now for us to win the future, we have to be innovative. We have to be creative. We have to be savvy. So turn that frown upside down, America. Like, we will get through this. I just think that, you know, we can't get so caught up in what we haven't done, but we can be very excited about where we're going. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. And I'm Michael Fordham, and you have been listening to A Measure of Truth. But before you go, here's a little something to take with you. Ask God for wisdom daily, but know that your lesson can come from anybody or any situation, good or bad, friend or foe. Watch your thoughts. They become words. And watch your words. They become actions. And watch your actions, they become habits. And watch your habits, they become your character. And watch your character, it becomes your destiny. Until we meet again, take care of what becomes of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, y
right here.